This is an EO APAC production, and the Phoenix is rising. This is episode 6 of Phoenix Rising, and today I have with me Imelda Harsono from Indonesia. She's a second-generation entrepreneur of Samator Group, a conglomerate group of businesses consisting of Indonesia's largest industrial gas companies. They're also in the chemical, pharmaceutical, healthcare, and the finance industries. Imelda is also the former chapter president of EO Indonesia East and have been named the top 10 most powerful businesswoman in Indonesia. For many, the pandemic had hit companies very hard. And for Imelda, they had to make some key decisions, not only in their business, but also in her personal life. They had to pivot, they had to change, and they could move to something that they could sustain on. It's really great to have her here in my podcast today. Everyone, please welcome Imelda Harsono. Welcome, Imelda. Thank you for having me, Ray. Awesome, awesome. Let's get straight to it. Uh, Imelda, for the benefit of our audience today, could you share what Samator Group is and what is your role in the group? Okay, yeah. As you mentioned before, I am a second-gen entrepreneur uh, of Samator Group. So Samator Group is a conglomerate group consisting of industrial gas companies, trading companies, healthcare, pharmaceutical, chemical, and also finance. Uh, my father was the founder of the group and the second generation that is actually in the group right now, it's me and my brother. Okay, wow. And when did you come into the business? I came into the business straight after college. So it was a long time ago. It was 2003. I uh, graduated from National University of Singapore and then I went straight to business. And my father insisted that I work first before I took any master's degree. Oh, wow. So not much honeymoon period for you. Huh? Went straight into the business. Yeah, I don't really know what is a gap year means. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm sure the pandemic, like many other companies, had forced us to think about change. So for you, Samato Group is in so many different industries. How did it hit your group? Back in 2020, when the pandemic started in Indonesia, it was like March. And that time, there's a lot of panic going on because it started from China and then all over the world. So nobody knows what will happen. But I'm lucky because I have a lot of people from, from all over the world who told me what's going on in their countries, respectively. And one of them actually is from this place called Ecuador. She said that they ran out of oxygen already uh, by the time it was April. Because we produce oxygen, we anticipated the, the demand will rise significantly. So we had to import a few containers of cylinders to make sure that by the time the pandemic hits hard in Indonesia, we were prepared. On top of that, in the past three years, we were lucky because there was digital transformation initiatives going on. So we actually had installed telemetry, which is like a measurement device in every tanks in the hospitals or in any other customers that we have. And we also installed cylinder tracking in every cylinders that we had. 
So by the time the pandemic hits, we rely on those systems to give us information and data needed so that we could actually supply them. And on top of that, we had a chemical factory, hydrogen peroxide company that has been just in a so-so business in the past 20 years. So during 2020, because we found out that hydrogen peroxide could kill coronavirus, then we had to pivot and created a new product from H2O2, uh, disinfectant and also hand sanitizer. At that time, it went quite viral. We didn't expect it at all. So in the first week, I think we helped, we sold thousands of container of disinfectants, mm -hmm. right? And then we made our first million dollar in one week. Wow. Yeah, so it was it was quite a crazy, unexpected move, but it was a successful move, thankfully. What was it to supply to Indonesia or was it for export? Uh, I would imagine that many others would have gone into the business or were you one of the first few that made that decision? Yeah, the, the crazy thing is like, I think we were literally the first uh, one that made the decision to have disinfectant. The disinfectant market in Indonesia was very non-existent, so to speak, you know. They use like more dangerous, not environmentally chemicals before like chloride, base and everything. So we try to create something that is like environmentally friendly, but also effective in killing coronavirus. So that was the first. And then I am based in Surabaya. So we are the second largest city in Indonesia. So that time we got order from all over Indonesia, even from Makassar or from Jakarta. So it's really crazy. And the thing is, because we didn't really do marketing, we just like send it through WhatsApp that there is a disinfectant that might help you to secure your home by, you know, disinfecting your services, your, your door handle and stuff. And then a few days later, there's so many people lining up on our warehouse or our factory trying to buy just a container or two disinfectant, you know, and it went really viral. And a few weeks later, there were a lot of copycats, you know, with other names trying to sell mm -hmm. something similar. Or maybe they, they sold like, you know, water in the container and call it disinfectant. I'm not really oh sure. But yeah, but, but that happened. It was, it was crazy. So the, the success that you saw was mainly at the start was first mover advantage, right? So you guys right. were the first. And then copycats came... And how did you navigate the whole business with regards to the copycats? And I'm sure there is probably some, what about overseas markets? What about China? You know, did people start importing things from China? Are you still doing the hand sanitizing business, the disinfectant business today? Yes, we are still doing the disinfectant business and the hand sanitizer. And actually we grew to other products as well. We developed like, you know, wet tissue, we develop um, disinfectant spray, you know, instead of like just normal disinfectant. We also develop soap to clean your your fruits, your vegetables, all sort of things. So, and we also develop mouthwash, 
using the, the chemical that we actually already had for 20 years. So it was kind of like groundbreaking, so to speak, this coronavirus, because it made us realize that we are actually sitting on a gold mine without realizing it. You know, like we've been selling it in bulk to a toothpaste company, for example, or other chemical company, you know. And now we are developing our own products. We actually selling our own products. So it was kind of like a blessing in disguise. And because of coronavirus, we had developed the product. Without coronavirus, we are going to sell the same thing to like the same factories. And, and that's amazing, right? And I guess sometimes we look at things, um, like you said, you've been sitting on it for 20 years, like a, like a hidden gold mine. And it never really came up until some chaos happened, something critical happened in the world. And a lot of people always talk about this whole thing where there's always an opportunity in crisis. Could, yes. Would you think that it's, it's just luck? No, I don't think it's luck. But I think it's like more like curiosity, right? Like, what can I do? You know, and also a mindset, right? My dad used to say to me like... Um, opportunity and and chaos i think it's like two words that you you can you can put into you, one it's actually the, the in, word for, yes. for crisis yeah. yes yes crisis and opportunity right you switch it and then it become from crisis to opportunity so it depends on how you see it and instead of like panicking we should not panic but we actually like try to think of ways that we could do to serve our purpose as an entrepreneur, right? Which is to come up with products or to come up with services that can help as many people as possible while maximizing our potential. Melna, that was such an amazing thing. And I um, congratulate you for, you know, being able to uncover that gold mine and, you know, uh, really turn the company around in that sense. But it wasn't always all rainbows and stars, right? I spoke to you a little bit earlier before this uh, podcast, and you you mentioned that just a couple of months ago, uh, unfortunately, your your dad, the founder of uh, Samator Group, had passed away. May God rest his soul, due to the unfortunate effects of COVID. How how did you feel? I mean, what what happened then? It must have been a very difficult time. It was a very difficult time, uh, to say the least. I think it's the most difficult time of our our life, right? Um, so. After he passed away the past two months, I questioned, I questioned my, my life as well, right? Like, you know, what do I do in the business, right? What is my role? What can I do to make the business better? Because my dad was a superman. He could do everything on his own. But by the time when he was gone, we were left with so many businesses and so many untapped potential that we need to uncover one by one, right? Mm. So, but I'm lucky because I have my brother who actually started to be in the business in the same time as me back in 2003. We learned so much from my dad. We learned so much from the business itself, you know, and from EO and from our colleges and universities and other trainings to actually not give up 
during that time, the worst thing is not just losing a father. During that time, the crisis in Indonesia is still at the maximum level. Mm. So both of us, we didn't have time to mourn. We didn't even have time to think of what will happen without my dad, right? Because we had to help Indonesia fight oxygen crisis. So every day we had calls with the Ministry of Health. My brother had to go out every day to meet with the president, the health minister, and all the all the nation's health task force, right? To make sure that as the largest industrial gas, we shouldn't fail. We should do our very best to make sure that we save everybody in Indonesia. That was the legacy that my dad had built and had given to us. So we had the responsibility to make it through. But that was really tough because uh, in the personal level, we just lost our dad and the founder of the company, the CEO of the company. But then at the same time, we had to move on like as fast as possible to make sure that everybody is safe. Everybody in, the, in Indonesia is safe, right? So it was hard, but after two months of struggling uh, and we divide our jobs and responsibilities, we feel, we feel so much better now. And we start to see the lifeline that is thrown to us from all sort of walks of lives are opportunities, right? Opportunities for us to be better, opportunities for us to maximize our potential, you know, mm. for ourselves, for our family, and for our country, and eventually for the world. Wow, this is so amazing. But Imelda, I can hear a lot of mental challenges and things like that. What well, wasn't there a community? You know, you are part of EO. You've been an EO member for ten years. Wasn't there the community that helped you through that? Or you know, you're still part of the community, right? So, so what happened there? Yeah. So, um, so a few months ago, I felt like I was on the top of the world. I felt like I didn't need EO. Uh, I felt like I learned. I learned enough. I have given myself enough for EO. So I, I wanted to quit uh, EO in June, but when the crisis happened and my dad passed away, I see EO as a life, one of the lifelines that is given to me without even me asking for it. So they were there when I was in the worst possible time of my life and they were helping me because I felt like even if I tell anyone, my friends or even my family members who lost the same person, but our feelings wouldn't be the same and everybody have their own bias. So that's why I am so grateful that I have EO because they literally helped me not feel better, but to move on and see it as an opportunity, right? Which is more important because for us to feel better, I feel, for me to feel better, it's from me, not from any other person. Because it's a feeling. Feeling is personal. Right? Grieving is personal. But when people see me and still 
want to give me opportunity to become a better self and just asking me how I am and how they can help, it helps, helps me significantly, you know, beyond my possible thought. It was, it was great. I, I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm still grateful until now. For me, EO has taught me three very important words. And I remember those words uh, until today and I used those three words in my companies ever since I joined EO seven years ago. And the three words is, how are you? You know, just, just understanding those three words right, and how it has been used so greatly throughout the times we were in EO, right? And how I can use that in my companies as well. It's just been so amazing. Melda, I have a last and final question for you. I know you've been through a lot and, you know, it's so good to see you after two months and, you know, getting better and, you know, being on my podcast today. Going through all that with your super highs in your business, the pivot that earned you a million dollars in the first week and then, you know, everything came crashing down when your dad has passed away. What was a summary of your biggest lessons through these times of change? Biggest lesson that I could learn and um, it sounds really cliche, but it's either we're growing or we're dying. So it doesn't matter uh, where you are. When you're on top, you should be worried because that means the only way is to go down, right? But when you are actually in a crisis or you know, you're still in the middle, you can still grow. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons. The second biggest lesson is the only certain thing in life is basically the uncertainty itself. So we can never be certain of things that things should be like A or B or C or not. That's not right. I don't think that's, that's, that's how it works because when you think your life is like, you know, on the tall way, something can happen. And your willingness to adapt, that will be the biggest lifesaver for you, basically. Imelda, you know, I had so many lessons and I had so many take-homes today just having the short 15-20 minutes chat with you. I learned something last year during the pandemic for me as well. And it's uncertainty is the one that creates learning. Never wish for certainty because if, it's, if you're certain about it, you don't learn anything. But if you're uncertain about something, that's where learning comes in. And I love how you say, and if you're not learning, if you're not growing, it means we're dying. You know, it's, it's a curve that goes down. It's a curve Correct, that doesn't yeah. go up. You shouldn't be happy. I mean, like, you know, yes, you're happy when you're on top, but then, you know, what's next? Are you going to go down afterwards? Because there's the only way is to go down. But if you are at the bottom of the stairs, the only way is to go up. Awesome. Thank you so much, Imelda, for talking to me today. I wish I had another hour or two hours to talk to you. But this is a short podcast, quick and sweet, and really listening and learning from all our entrepreneurs' lives and what we go through. Imelda, thank you so much for being with me today. Ladies and gentlemen, we've heard from Imelda Harsono from Samator Group in EO Indonesia East. Thank you for listening to Phoenix Rising. I'll see you guys next time. Thank you. You've been listening to an EOAPAC production. If you enjoyed today's episode, do hit subscribe and share it with your friends and family. I look forward to sharing with you the next story of a Phoenix Rising.